0: We have been doing this series, On the Road with Jesus, and uh, we've mentioned a number of travel stories. I want to say I remember travelling with our three older children before each and every person had their own individualised entertainment unit. And we actually could talk in the car. We used to do a long drive to Inverell, to Jenny's parents' place, um, reasonably often, it was eight hours to get there. So we had various strategies we'd have, like, this is a half an hour to every, for everyone to listen to Georgina's music. And we would do that, and then the other kids would have a go. We also got um, music, we got, sorry, storybooks on um, CD that we were playing. And the, the kids got to choose the different storybooks. So at least some of the ride in the car was, was quite pleasant, and we interacted with each other well. But I want to say to you, what was in their mind was not the picking of the CD of the storybook. What was in their mind was getting to um, Pa and Nanny's. And when we did get there, it was a quick kiss and a hello and then straight into the rooms to see what was on the pillow of their beds. There was a chocolate, there was something to play with and there was a $5 note. <laughs> so even though we had to plan the journey along the way it was the it was the final destination and what was to meet them that was what captured the 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 minds of our our three older kids as we traveled that that road and uh, as jesus has been traveling um, his road the road to jerusalem there are things that jesus has done along the way there are people that jesus has seen there are things that have happened but we know that What is in his mind is the destination arriving in Jerusalem and a number of times Jesus tells us um, tells the, the listeners and his disciples particularly what he is expecting to happen in Jerusalem and it's not really something that you would look forward to he says recorded in Luke 18 to his disciples we're going to Jerusalem And everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day he will rise again. So that's what awaited Jesus in Jerusalem. That's what Jesus was pushing on uh, towards. That's what was in store for him. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? To, be, to, to live uh, like that, heading down a path which you know is going to end in not just mockery and insult, but flogging and finally death. So last week, uh, just setting the, the scene, we heard Jesus as he thought about Jerusalem and he laments over the people of Jerusalem, those who have planned these terrible things. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. How often I've longed to gather you together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. So even though Jesus is looking at um, this certain death, painful death uh, that's ahead of him in Jerusalem, he has this great compassion for the very perpetrators, those who are planning Uh, to bring him down and as we come to today's story we see that heart of compassion of jesus we read that um, jesus it was the sabbath day jesus had been to the synagogue and a prominent pharisee so the big guns and the experts in the law Invited Jesus to lunch Now I I want to ask you why on earth would Jesus think that was going to be a good thing to go to you know he could have just gone down to local takeaway and had a falafel burger or something Why would he go? uh, To this lunch and particularly uh, when when we read as um, uh, Jesus is probably well aware Luke writes He was being carefully watched. Jesus was conscious of being carefully watched. He knew what they were plotting, but he would not stay away. Even though they refused to acknowledge Jesus, he was prepared to give them one more chance. He was prepared to show his compassion yet again to sinners because remember that is jesus mission luke tells us that jesus came to seek and to save the lost he came to save sinners so we have to see jesus is not naive here it's not like he's been set up and he's not ready for it jesus knows exactly what he's doing and he goes right into the very den of the prominent Pharisees and the experts in the law with a heart of care and compassion. We need to remember that because um, it is so easy for us to think that Jesus was just condemning uh, the Pharisees and the religious people. It is the very center of religion that happens in Jerusalem. The thing that he mourns over in Jerusalem is the failure of the Jewish religion, the failure of religious leaders to lead the people and here he has the very chance um, to have lunch with them as soon as he gets there um, he sees that it's a setup he already knew the Pharisees are watching Jesus Jesus is watching the man who is sick the Pharisees focus is to bring down Jesus Jesus focus is to heal and to restore. So there he is, uh, sitting at the table. What will Jesus do? And put up the, the commands for us, which was great. I don't know if you saw the fourth commandment there. Um, it's about the Sabbath. And from Exodus 20, it reads, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days shall you labour and do all the, all the work that you have to do, but the seventh is a day holy to the Lord. That's um, the commands that, that uh, God gave Moses. So the Old Testament people live with those commands. It's a fairly vague command though, isn't it? Six days you do your labor, seven day you have your rest. Um, if you go looking through the Old Testament for more details about the Sabbath, there's not a lot of detail. We read in Leviticus that you're not supposed to light a fire on the Sabbath it's interesting um, but Leviticus also says um, there are six days when you may work the seventh day is the Sabbath is a day of Sabbath rest a day of sacred assembly so I think the idea of not lighting a fire is you had to go to the assemble together uh, in the temple where there was the, around the temple where there was the fire but he says you're to do no work wherever you live This is to be a Sabbath day to the Lord. So the Israelites are expected to rest. But more specifically, they are told not to work. So if you're considering what you should do on the Sabbath, what is the first uh, question that you would like explained for you? You're to do no work. What's work? What's work? You know, can uh, you still sweep the kitchen floor? Uh, what can you do? There is no list. But the religious leaders, the um, the Pharisees, and particularly uh, in Jesus' day, they wrote lists because people like to have lists, don't they? We like to have boundaries so that we know. Uh, where we can where we fit in and healing well sorry the basic kind of rule of thumb for the Sabbath that that the Pharisees had had kind of whittled it down to was if there was something that you could do on the day before the Sabbath you should not do it on the Sabbath that's how they kind of summarized it but there were, but there were rules about everything and when it came to healing someone on the Sabbath was that actually breaking the sabbath or not the general jewish teaching um, was undecided about this there were two different schools two different pharisees who had writings on this one was named hillel and he permitted praying for people who were sick but he wasn't very happy with laying hands on people who were sick Um, Another kind of more strict school was of the rabbi named Shami. And um, he he said that medical treatment on the Sabbath was okay if it was necessary because it was life-threatening. So you could do life-threatening medical stuff but nothing else. So these are the ideas that are going around. And um, Jesus is asked... sorry jesus asked the question about what is lawful on the sabbath now i think we we might feel that we're a long way removed from these kind of incidences but what is the basis of these rules Uh, i think it's human nature to make rules we love to have rules we love to know what the boundaries are and i think that there are two reasons that we love that the first the first is uh we love to know the boundaries so that we can stick it to people and criticize them when they break it and with your dog (laughs) uh but what about what about us you're driving down the freeway you've got the uh your speed set at 112 okay because it's 110 (laughs) but you but you slow down, the car slows you down when you go around corners and stuff. So 112 averages out at 110, okay? And then, and then someone goes past you and you think they do They must be doing 120, 130. What? You know, I hope there's a police car around the corner. That person deserves to get their, their uh, just desserts, don't they? So we love rules so that we can actually criticise people who don't keep them. We love to be judgmental in that way and rules justify us. That's the first reason we love rules. The second reason we love rules is also uh, from Anne's illustration is her reason. We love rules because we love to break them. We love to break them. The sign says... Do not go beyond this point. And I go, "Why? <laughs> What's beyond that point? I'm going to go and have a look. <laughs> why should some sign that's put on this you know the side of the pathway, or whatever, take away my freedom. I can go and have a look. Or, you know, as that used to be signs on the, rail, on the railroad stations that said, "Do not spit. And you'd never thought of spitting until you read the sign. But then you think, as the saliva wells up in your mouth, why can't I spit it out? And then over you go, if you're really polite, you go to a garbage bin or something, but you, you spit it out because you think, you know what, well, I'm not going to swallow it, just because there's some sign. So we all like rules we like to know the boundaries and we are either legalistic and judgmental on other people or we are judgmental on the law itself and we criticize the law but whichever way we go we are putting ourselves up as the judge and jury and we think that you know we are righteous because of the way that we act and those who act otherwise should be uh, should cop the full penalty of the law so jesus says to these pharisees because human nature hasn't changed he says is it legal to heal on the sabbath or not how are they going to answer they don't answer they have nothing to say why because if they say yes it is illegal for you to heal on the sabbath there's going to be a great argument going to be a funeral what do you mean who's the person being healed what's the you know what's the circumstance the situation so they can't say no but if they say yes it is legal to heal well then what was the use of inviting him to try and trip him up we've just allowed him to to heal so what so they say nothing and what does Jesus do Jesus puts his hand upon the man that's significant, isn't it? He, he touches the man, lays hands upon the man and he says, be healed. And he sends him on his way. Now, while the Pharisees are reeling trying to work out what to do next, Jesus asks his second question. Which of you guys here, if you had a son or even an ox that fell into a pit on the Sabbath day would not work to save their life and pull them out of the pit. See, even these legalistic Pharisees, if you have a son, you are going to try the best that you can to save him on the Sabbath. You'll even go and ask your neighbours to help you. You might even get a rope or something else. You're definitely going to work at saving your son. And uh, Jesus says or your ox, because you know, an oxen was a very expensive animal. Wouldn't, you wouldn't even let your ox die. But here they are. They have given no compassion upon the man who was sick. Okay? they have Their idea was to use him. What was he even doing there? Why did they invite him to lunch when he should have been at home on his, on his um, sick bed? You know, he's got a swollen abdomen. He's got... Um, edema as we would call it today and his organs might be failing any, you know, any, anything is happening with this guy's health he should not be out but then when Jesus heals him the Pharisees have no interest in him at all Jesus has compassion he, he came to seek and to save the lost he has healed or saved the same word um, is used in the original. The man who is sick has been healed or saved. The Pharisees, who are legalistic, critical, and trying to trap Jesus, they have given no attention to the miracle at all. They're just sorting through their, Id- their ideas of legalism and how they can trap Jesus. So... What, is it, you know, what has this got to do with us? Well, as I said before, legalism and judgmentalism lurks behind all of us and sometimes not very far behind. Check your thinking. When someone does something that you don't think's right, check your, your thinking. How judgmental are you? How quick are we? to excuse ourselves for breaking a law and then judge others who do the same. If we focus on the sick man, we see the compassion of Jesus. If we focus on ourselves, we just see legalism and rules and judgment. Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He is going to give his life for sinners, for people who have judged him, for people who have condemned him, for people who have abused him. That's the heart of Jesus. The man has been healed or saved. Are you on the road with Jesus Jesus he didn't say follow me to this man but he said that to many others he has he has saved this guy and we need to to think of ourselves as that man where Jesus calls us to be on the road with him Jesus has reached out to us in compassion and and concern He wants to save us. He has acted to save us and many of us have received that salvation in Jesus Christ. So we go forward. We don't judge other people. We don't criticise others who might break uh, things that we think are rules or expectations. After all, we're Anglicans. Where's the list of what do's and don'ts? We're, we're all uh, tempted to fall into that uh, way of thinking. But Jesus has saved me. I don't compare myself then with anyone else. I look to Jesus who has saved me, who has given me new life. And I walk with him on the same road, the road that Jesus leads as we walk towards his kingdom let's pray heavenly father we thank you for jesus we thank you lord that he didn't write anybody off that again and again he reached out to those who are in opposition to him that he showed his compassion over the people of jerusalem as as he longed to act like a mother hen and father we thank you that jesus has shown us that same compassion that the new life that we have in him is a life that is fixed on Jesus and on his His purpose and his journey for us. So help us, Lord, to walk with Jesus, to do what he's called us to do and to bring honour to his name. Amen.